welcome to the latest edition of Slam University, the wrestling history podcast hosted by me, Joe Garcia. Hip toss. <laughs> uh, and that hip tossing fool behind me is none other than Malcolm Spinetti. Woohoo! Here we are again for another edition, and this time, you know. We just had WrestleMania a couple weeks ago, and that was a fine show. And of course, preceding the show, as always, was the Hall of Fame induction, uh, done every week or every year is the day before WrestleMania. And a great class, definitely all around uh, in 2015. You know, you had the Macho Man uh, headlining slash not headlining, unfortunately, uh, kind of got usurped by Kevin Nash at the last second there. Uh, well, I, the reason they do it like that is they're. You, can't, you know, the rule by Vince is you can't have a dead guy as the leader of the class. Yes, yeah, let's know. build up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, one of the highlights of the show, is, or for me at least, was that, um, you know, they typically bring in a a female wrestler as well. You know, last year it was Lita. Oh, do you remember who it was the year before, Malcolm? Uh, I, I do not. Uh, well, <laughs> neither do I. I was hoping you'd fill in that gap for me. But off the top of my head, <laughs> uh, I wasn't sure, but. Uh, I think it was Trish, wasn't it Trish? I think Trish was much earlier. Okay, well, either way, uh, often at least one woman is inducted uh, into the WWE Hall of Fame. And uh, this year, that honor went to none other than Alundra Blaze, uh, a.k.a. Medusa, uh, who was a surprising choice, I think, because, I mean, not because she was not, you know, worthy of the honor, but because uh, through some of her actions as part of the Money Night War, uh, she had been pretty much blacklisted uh, by the WWE. Um, so to see her come back and be inducted in, into the Hall of Fame was uh, a pleasant surprise. Indeed. And I'll have to say uh, her speech, I would say, was the best spe- speech of the night. Oh, yeah. It's not even close. Uh, one of the best speeches I've heard in the entire uh, in the entirety of uh, the Hall of Fame. Um, but, yeah, I mean, whether you remember her as, you know, as Medusa or, or Alundra Blaze, um, you know, she was a pioneer. Um, you know, A.G. Lee recently retired. Um, she's ar- And, you know, A.J. is probably, arguably, the most important female wrestler of her era. Uh, but the current renaissance of women's wrestling, you know, including A.J., uh, they owe a ton of t- 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 to Medusa and her peers, you know, whether it's Bull Nakano, uh, A.J. AJ Kant, uh, what have you. Um, so, you know, while countless WWE documentaries have, you know, made her kind of a footnote in the Monday Night War, uh, I think it's about time that we help her get her fair shake uh, as just the tremendous wrestler that she was. Oh, yeah. And just to expand upon what she said, like, I, I would say she was even a pa- pioneer for, like, the body type. Like, if you go back even earlier before Lunder Blaze's time, back in Fabulous Moolah's time, you know, the idea of a female wrestler isn't anywhere near what it is now. Like, you have to be, like, a, this big... You were a big woman. <laughs> Basically, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, it, it sounds silly. Like a lot of people, like you know, sort of go on WWE for hiring models. But there was a time period where no one in the right mind thought you could do that, looking like that. But Medusa not only proved that you could, but she was extremely successful. Yeah, especially with uh, you know, we keep calling her Medusa. You know, even though WWE would said no, no for a Lunder Blaze. Really, <laughs> she wasn't Lunder Blaze that long, was she? Um, no, just a few years, basically. Uh, just. Pretty much only in her time as WWE, and that was actually her choice to go in as Lundra Blaze, not ne- not necessarily because really? it was prolific, uh, because you know so much of her time was was as Medusa. But she's like, I'm being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, uh, and 
my time there was entirely as a Lunter Blaze. So for her, she's like, it makes sense to, to be a Lunter Blaze in the Hall of Fame. Huh. Well, good for her. And it sounds like she's uh, okay with it, even though, like, if you look at Kevin Nash, he goes in at Kevin Nash, but he, the picture is for Diesel. <laughs> right. Like, all the, right. most of the footage is, even though it's arguable that he's more famous for being Kevin Nash. Than- <laughs> sure. I mean, but when you induct a person... Uh, you know, of course, WWE is going to be like, hey, do you remember when he was with us? <laughs> um, so <laughs> I don't necessarily blame them or I'm surprised by them when they do that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, she was a fantastic, uh, and she also sh- also was fantastic for, as far as for de- female wrestlers, showing that you don't necessarily need to be a rest- wrestler. Because some of her, my favorite moments with Medusa was her as a valet. Mm-hmm. Which she actually brought a lot, a lot of physicality and character to the role too, much like AJ did in her pay- heyday. Yeah. All right, so I guess it's time to start. Indeed, it is, Malcolm. Um, so Deborah Ann Maselli, uh, or rather, she was born Deborah Lewandowski. Uh, she was born on February 9th, nineteen sixty-four, in Milan, Italy. Oh, with Santino. <laughs> yeah, right there with Santino. They grew up together. Uh, <laughs> they hung out in the playground and whatnot. Uh, you know, she was born in Milan, uh, but she was actually raised across several foster homes in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, and by age fourteen, she was working at an Arby's restaurant, making about a buck thirty an hour. Hard times. <laughs> yeah, basically, when you think about the hard times promo that Dusty Rhodes got. Uh, cut. Uh, it's basically her growing up. Um, but by age 20, she'd actually become a nurse. Uh, but even then, you know, even though she had found that success early on, uh, she was still looking for something more exciting uh, and decided to try her hand at professional wrestling, basically. And uh, she began training uh, with Brad Renegans and Eddie Sharkey over in Minneapolis. Sharkey, of course, known as the trainer of champions, having developed the likes of people of like Rick Rude, uh, the Road Warriors, Bob Backlund, both Rick and Scott Steiner, uh, even Jesse the Body Ventura, so she was pretty much in good hands early on. Yeah, like she wanted to be a stunt woman at first, didn't she? I, I probably, <laughs> I wouldn't doubt uh, that she wanted to do. Yeah, because I mean, her her whole reason for acceptance speech, I, I believe she like said like, "Oh, I was looking to do this," and they're like, "No, you'd be better off wrestling." <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what wrestling is uh, to to some extent is being a basically a stunt person. Uh, that actually gets their own lines mm-hmm. <laughs> in the movie. So uh, it's not too far off from what she wanted to do, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but uh, soon she started wrestling as Medusa, uh, Maselli, wrestling in bars for about five bucks a night. And interesting, though, is that Medusa, and the way she spells it, is not, you know, like Medusa, the... As in the Greek right, monster. Which is spelled yeah. M-E-D-U-S-A. Uh, her, she spells it M-A-D-U-S-A. Uh, and that's her way of shortening... Uh, the phrase "made in the USA," which I thought was kind of kind of cool. Oh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, that's pretty cool." Yeah, uh, most of her outfits were all red, white, and blue. So, yeah. yeah, I could buy that <laughs> definitely. Um, and you know, despite the 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 I guess the the grind of wrestling for five bucks a night, which isn't a lot in any era. Um, <laughs> um, you no, know, like if we if you remember our talk on Sting, Sting was making twenty bucks. So Jesus yeah, Christ! <laughs> so for her to be wrestling in bars for five bucks a night, uh, yeah. <laughs> but either way, she loved the attention that she got, you know, and was, and she kept at it. And uh, according to an interview that she she conducted in 2004, uh, her passion for wrestling eventually kind of pushed her into even into into trying steroids uh, in her early 20s. 
Oh, oh dear. Oh yeah, and there's a quote here in the interview that says, A doctor knew about it, and when, after a few weeks, I started passing blood, I stopped, and I never used steroids again. So good idea there uh, by Miss Maselli. Which is kind of crazy, because she's already well-built to begin with. Oh yeah, she's uh, definitely got a very athletic build. Um, mm. Just the same, she finally got her big break in 1986 when she joined the local uh, American Wrestling Association and began a feud with Sherry Martell, uh, a.k.a. the sens- sensational Sherry. Ooh. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Sherry left AWA soon after uh, Medusa arrived, so she Medusa kind of took her place as uh, as Kevin Kelly's manager, Mr. Magnificent. Kevin Kelly, not the uh, announcer. <laughs> not the announcer. Very different people. Uh, and on December twenty seventh, in nineteen eighty seven, Medusa actually won a tournament for the vacant AWA World Women's Championship, uh, having defeated defeated uh, Candy Divine in the final. Uh, around this time, she'd also started managing AWA World Heavyweight Champion Kurt Hennig, which I think is pretty cool. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, a, a recurring theme throughout her, her career is that she wins a lot of championships uh, via tournament, which is like kind of, or enters a lot of tournaments, rather, uh, for, for championships, which is fun. I like, there's not enough wrestling tournaments for, for championships, I don't think. I really miss King of the Ring. <laughs> yeah, like I, like of course, uh, WrestleMania Four was kind of a mixed bag, as it were. But uh, you know, the idea of a of a of a tournament for a championship. Uh, yeah, I think they only did it for two years, but there was a time where if you won King of the Ring, you got the title match at SummerSlam. Yeah, which yeah, I which, mean that's that's a neat idea because you know SummerSlam being the second biggest show of the year, you know there should be a lead in for that. Oh yeah, it's for in. Most people, some people actually look more forward to SummerSlam than they do WrestleMania, <laughs> believe it or not. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's not me, but I, I, I guess I could hear an argument for that. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, Medusa's reign as women's champ was a lengthy one, as she held on to the belt until she was defeated by Wendy Richter on November 26, 1988. So, for about 11 months, uh, she was the AWA World Women's Champion, so uh, pretty great, I think, there. Um, eventually Medusa and Hennig would join Diamond Dallas Page and the tag team Bad Company in the Diamond Exchange stable uh, over in AWA. No kidding. Yeah. And her time in the stable culminated in a mixed tag team match that paired her with Bad Company against Wendy Richter and the Top Guns at Super Clash 3, which was, of course, the first and only AWA pay-per-view on December 13th, 1988. Um, Interestingly... Uh, you know, Bad Company, which is who uh, Medusa was teaming with, were the AWA World Tag Team Championship or World Tag Team Champions, uh, while Wendy was the Women's Championship. So what was going on here was that both titles were on the line. So if if, if uh, Medusa could score the pin on Wendy Richter, she could become champion. Or if the Top Guns pinned Bad Company, they'd win the the tag titles. Um, but the way the match ended was that Richter pinned Medusa. So no titles changed hands uh, whatsoever of course, in that match. <laughs> so, yeah, Super Clash 3 wasn't, wasn't very great for, uh, for AWA, unfortunately. And Medusa's time in AWA was short, but highly regarded because she earned Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Rookie of the Year Award in 1988, the first woman to ever earn that honor. Ooh, yeah, right. v- Vita Scott and Charlotte would be the next to follow in 2012 and 2014, respectively. So it would be another, basically, what, 24 years before another woman uh, won Rookie of the Year from uh, the highly regarded PWI. Charlotte, I have a feeling, 
years from now we'll be doing a show on. She's got a bright future too. Yeah, she's wow, that's incredible. Yeah, she's basically a modern day Medusa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll come back to that hopefully uh, in the not too distant future. Um, but you know, in the beginning of 1989, uh, Medusa began a six week tour with All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling. Uh, winning the oh, I- she has a history here. <laughs> oh yeah, and she won the IWA World Women's Championship from Shigusa Nagayo on uh, January fourth. Although she would drop the belt right back to Nagayo the next day. Um, but that sounds you know, about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, as she adapted to the Japanese style of wrestling, which was of course much rougher than the American style. You know, all about that strong style. Uh, she began training, you know, in boxing, kickboxing, and Mai Tai, uh, and soon she would sign a three-year contract. Uh, with uh, AJW, uh, and she was actually the first foreign talent to ever be offered such a contract from from that company. So you know she's just knocking down doors left and right uh, as her as her career progresses. And you know along the way she also had you know not just with Nagayo but she had notable matches there with AJ Kong as well. Uh, and she's an adversary that pops up quite a bit throughout Medusa's career. Yeah, I remember seeing her once in uh, WWF, as we'll discuss, but unfortunately, I'm guessing that was at the end of Medusa's time, but we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, um, and according to the biography on Medusa's uh, official site, uh, her time there uh, garnered you know action figures, posters, and she even recorded a music album. Uh, and videos as well, even though she... I had, believe that, yep. Yeah, even though she says that, you know, she had no no training or ability to sing whatsoever. They're like, yes, make us an album, Popular American. <laughs> it's like, okay, sure. Uh, and, and then it was done. Uh, <laughs> so, following her successful time in Japan, though, Medusa would return to the U.S. and worked a few shows for the Tri-State Wrestling Alliance, uh, over which was the predecessor, I believe, to uh, ECW uh, over in mm. Philly. You know, when she was there, she feuded with Luna, with uh, Luna, I forget how to pronounce her name, Vashon? Luna Vashon. Vashon, there you go. Uh, and that culminated in a mixed tag team match that paired her with Cactus Jack against Vashon and Eddie Gilbert. And uh, Medusa mm. and Cactus Jack would win that match, and that resulted in Luna getting her head shaved. Uh, so, just a lot of fun with Luna Vashon early on, and uh, that's another classic Medusa adversary as well. And, you know, the running theme with uh, with Medusa and her opponents is that, you know, she would pair well with, you know, just either weirdos that were here in America or Japanese uh, women's wrestlers as well. Uh, and a lot of them were very eccentric in their personality. You know, it kind of just proved like, hey, you, you could be a weirdo and still be very successful. That's something that you do. That's always <laughs> That's... very cool. That's always very cool, I think. She was very inspirational to Cactus. <laughs> Um, and from after that, after that short stint over at TWA, uh, she would begin a brief run with WCW in 1991. Uh, one of her first notable appearances there was at Clash of the Champions uh, 17 on November 19th in 1991, when she was presented as the last of a series of mysterious gifts for United States Champion Sting. And we've mentioned this before, both in Sting's proper episode and other episodes, you know, detailing WCW careers, but Sting's kind of a buffoon. <laughs> so this served as a, this, she ended up being kind of a distraction. She kind of came out, she was carried by, she was carried in this cart uh, by a bunch of half-naked dudes, and she came out and she was kind of a harem girl, she was dancing, uh, and you know, Sting's like, hey, this is my last gift from this mysterious, you know, benefactor, and while she was distracted with Medusa, um, World champion Lex Luger took the opportunity to attack Sting's previously injured knee, 
uh, opening the door for Rude to easily win the United States title from him later that night. So <laughs> I, I just want to say say a few things right here. Number one, uh, wrestlers don't get wrapped up as gifts enough in professional wrestling. <laughs> no, they do that. The last time I believe was Dean Ambrose popping out of a present to attack Seth Rollins, and it was absolutely <laughs> magical. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then he opened another present, which was a chair that he used to attack. Him. <laughs> nice. Uh, and two, uh, I, I never got you uh, the the official decision from you as it pertains to the dumbest thing in professional wrestling. Because uh, last episode we talked about Sting and oh, so many things. Like Sting was a part of the Shockmaster. He was a part of the Black Scorpion. There was uh, that, I think he was even in that dumb, ch- no, he wasn't in there, but he was in, he was part of RoboCop coming to WCW. Did any of that surpass uh, <laughs> the Hulk Hogan steel cage, or is that still the uh, the champion? The, what was the Hogan cage? Uh, for me, match? that's still the, the, Tower of Doom. <laughs> the, the Doomsday match uh, is still yes. the dumbest match, at least. Oh, because literally good- all of Sting's career is being partnered with stupidity. <laughs> It's yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely, um, <laughs> man. But we're getting off topic here, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, let's yeah. bring it back, back on right topic. Here. So after after she uh, bamboozled poor, wonderfully stupid thing, uh, Medusa would join uh, up with Paul E. Dangerously, uh, Rick Rude, yeah, Bobby Eaton, the Enforcers, which consisted of Arn Anderson and Larry Zbysko, uh, and stunning Steve Austin to form the Dangerous Alliance. Hell of a group, that group. Uh, yeah, the Dangerous Alliance, of course, would go on to dominate WCW for several months. Uh, and Medusa's work there as a valet was a big part of Rook, uh, Rick Rude's success with the faction as well. Um, mm. You said he had some memorable, mem- or some memorable memories. He had some memories of her uh, as a valet. Uh, I would assume that her time with the Dangerous Alliance was a big part of it. Oh yeah, she was like a centerpiece of the group, and you know she always stood out. And just being associated was great. Uh, my memories, though, you know, not to jump ahead in your notes, involves probably the very end of her time with uh, the Dangerous Alliance when she started uh, feuding with Paul. Yes, um, you know, because as 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 the time went on uh, with the Dangerous Alliance, you know, tensions between her and Paul E would bubble over uh, at Halloween Havoc 1992 specifically uh, when he fired her from the Dangerous Alliance just because I guess he decided he go he kind of. Uh, decided that you know as a woman she was just inferior to him as a man and uh and did, did you see this promo by the way yeah <laughs> i did it, it was incredible i mean paul Heyman is just going on with all this 80s stereotype garbage <laughs> yeah throwing it out here and she's taking it and she's crying like seeing this guy who up until this point was like her friend i'd assume and <laughs> hearing all this and then finally she just snaps at him. <laughs> and it led to like a pretty surprisingly amazing feud <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh and you know the two of them would have a blow-off match uh, a couple of weeks after halloween ha- uh after halloween havoc uh, at clash of the champions 21 uh on november 18th 1992 uh the match would end in a time limit draw because the thing was only five minutes long anyway uh, the time limit. So, I mean, if, what else could it end in? <laughs> uh, and that saw Medusa kind of humiliate Paul E before he was able to sneak away uh, as a sneaky sneak that he is. Did you ever watch this match by any chance? Oh yeah, it was it was pretty funny for what it was. I mean, it wasn't. A, it's it's one of those. It's not designed to be a technical masterpiece. It's <laughs> no. just uh, 
Paul getting his comeuppance and uh, Medusa proving, you know, showing that, you know, she's not just, yeah, she wasn't anything that Paul was saying. Let's just say. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it was a happy ending all around. Yeah. And plus, uh, Paul Heyman got pantsed. So that's always hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, meanwhile, you know, meanwhile, as Medusa's over at WCW, uh, the World Wrestling Federation, you know, they had, or their women's division, uh, had seen better days. It had grown a little stagnant uh, to the point that the it women's championship... The women's championship there had been vacant for about three years, starting in 1990, uh, when Rock and Robin relinquished the title uh, upon leaving the company. And then they're like, okay, we'll just hold on to this for a while until we figure out what to do with it. It was a shocker because there was actually quite a few women wrestlers in the company at the time. Yeah. Uh, and eventually the WWF would reinstate the women's championship. And uh, they brought Medusa on board right around the same time. And, uh, you know, as WWF and WWE... Uh, is wants to do, uh, they rebranded her into something that they could call her own, or their own, because uh, she, uh, let's see, Miss Maselli had, had trademarked the Medusa name. Uh, she owned that, and, you know, the name and the character, and they're like, no, we don't want to pay for that, so you're a Lundra Blaze now, woo! <laughs> and, you know, whatever. <laughs> what, what were your th- feelings on uh, Lundra Blaze, on that name, first of all? Cause no, can I just say, it sounds like some something someone in a freaking backyard fed would create. <laughs> it's a dorky name for sure, but it it's not unpleasant either. It's fine, <laughs> like it rolls off the tongue fine. Uh, it's not unpleasant to hear, uh, so you know it is what it is. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, I mean, tur- <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, folks. It turned out to be a very legend, very you know memorable and legendary even character, but still, Alundra Blaze. Come on. That's what you. Name <laughs> yeah, your, I mean, that's what you name your create a character in WWE 2K. I mean, it's... <laughs> uh, that's not that's not incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. But anyway, um, the first WWF Women's Champion in three years would be crowned in a six-person tournament, and as it turns again. out, Miss Blaze defeated Heidi Lee Morgan in the final on December nineteenth, nineteen ninety-three. Becoming the first champion in three years over there, basically. Um, and a few months later, Blaze would make her one and only WrestleMania appearance at WrestleMania 10, uh, successfully defi- defending her title against Leilani K. Leilani Kai. Kai, sorry. What do you know about Leilani Kai, Malcolm? Wasn't she at the first or second WrestleMania? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, you know, the weird thing about the first WrestleMania, did you say first or second WrestleMania? Uh, I think first, like, wait, first one, uh, that was the one with Richter, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. So second one, like, I know that there was a WrestleMania, like, this is not Leilani Kai's first match. She's been wrestling for a while. Are you looking it up right now? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, sorry. But yeah, I, I I remember seeing her wrestle. I think she was actually advertised at, as Moolah's protege for like one WrestleMania too. Yeah. So I'm very certain that I heard her re- that she wrestled somewhere before. It was actually kind of a big deal that she was at WrestleMania 10, but not that they brought it up. So uh, it's taking a while to look. So uh, we'll just move on. <laughs> but anyway, you know, aside yeah. from uh, the, su- the surprisingly legendary Leilani Kai. Um, legitimate competition was scarce by the time she made her way over to WWF 
Uh, so she would ask WWF to infuse the women's division with more talent, to which they obliged by bringing in Bull Nakano uh, in mid-1994, sometime in the middle of 1994. Uh, and okay. Bull Nakano... If I could just uh, mention one thing. <laughs> I think sure. out of all the times I've seen her wrestle, uh, and I'm talking about Medusa here, I would say over 50% of the time she was wrestling Bull Nakano in some capacity. Yeah, but those matches are all pretty awesome because Bull Nakano is, ama- is an amazing wrestler. Uh, oh, to put it quite. By right. the way, by the way, Leilani Kai wrestled w- wrestled Wendy Richter at the very first WrestleMania. Yes, <laughs> there you go. That that was who uh, Richter beat to do that little dance with uh, girls just want to have fun woman there. So they, <laughs> right, the girls uh, just want to have fun woman. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna feel terrible for not remembering her name, but yeah, <laughs> that's Cindy Lauper, man. Cindy Lauper, thank you. <laughs> yeah, she, she she was there at the first WrestleMania and was there again in ten years later. But yeah, but back on back on topic. Yeah, Bull Nakano. I've seen it's like I would say if that was if uh, if Blaze was the Batman, then Bull Nakano is her Joker. Is what I would say, just from the history of them wrestling against each other. Oh yeah, and uh, you know the first title clash between the two. Um, like I said. Uh, Blaze is already the champion. Uh, and the first title clash between the two took place at SummerSlam in 1994, with Blaze earning a gutsy win in a hard-fought battle that might be one of the more underrated matches in SummerSlam history. I'm, I'm just saying. It's actually a really terrific match. Like, those two, like, legit beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did not hold back at all. Uh, you know, Bull Nakano, of course, being the larger of the two, she was able to power through, uh, through uh, Blaze pretty well, but, you know, Alundra is just such a great technical talent that, you know, she was able to just, you know... I mean, she throws a German suplex as well as anybody I've ever seen. Yeah, that was her finisher, if I'm not mistaken, was that... <laughs> yeah. Just uh, with, you know, holding it to pin the person, and, you know, impressively, she was able to do it to a bull. Yeah, uh, several times at one point. Who sadly did not come out to uh, Bull Dempsey's music, which would have been absolutely <laughs> <much> <laughs> I hope that uh, Dempsey asked Nakano's permission to use the bull name. I hope so too. It's just the right <laughs> thing to do. Now, at this point in uh, the you know the history of the Lunder Blaze character, this is where I noticed that at this point on, if she was having like a feud with anybody, it was usually a big woman. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a large part of uh, a large part. Uh, a large part of her time in WWF is you know battling larger opponents, basically. Yeah, which I blame on Vince, but let's move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Vince being Vince. Uh, but anyway, after the SummerSlam uh, match, um, Blaze could only hold off Bull Nakano for so long, uh, unfortunately for her, uh, as she finally lost the title uh, to her rival in her native Japan at the Big Egg Wrestling Universe event on November 27th, 1994. What is the Big Egg Wrestling Re- Universe event, you ask? Well, Let me tell you. That's where the gobbledygooker came from. <laughs> no, Malcolm. Instead, it is. it was a 10-hour women's wrestling extravaganza, uh, largely driven by Joshi uh, promotions, uh, that being, you know, Joshi being Japanese women's wrestlers, um, with the Blaze Nakano title match going on second to last behind only this headlining tournament uh, final, final bracket. Uh, and <laughs> that was the 22nd match on the card, uh, by the way. 
So, oh, a 10 hour <laughs> wrestling event? 10 hour women's wrestling extravaganza, Malcolm. Uh, 10 hours of almost exclusively women's wrestling. That's unheard of. Like yeah. thirty, like thirty-five thousand people filled the arena for this for ten hours. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. <laughs> ten hours, and it was wow. this match was the twenty-second match on the card out of twenty-three. Wow, I I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so really impressive all around. Um, yeah. Now, sadly, the two would have to wait until the day after WrestleMania eleven. For another rematch, uh, because <sighs> because Vince said at the WrestleManias, uh, it would showcase women by featuring Pamela Anderson and Jenny McCarthy as valets for Diesel and Shawn Michaels, and Shawn Michaels respectively instead. Boo Burns. Uh, yeah, this would uh, start the WrestleMania tradition of Vince taking somehow figuring out which match I would be interested in and cutting it from the show. <laughs> yeah, basically, because. Uh, yeah, that absolutely should be a WrestleMania match, man. <laughs> like, it definitely would have made... Re- you, that definitely would have made WrestleMania 11 better, because, I mean... Although, to be honest, anything could have made WrestleMania 11 better. Yeah. Sadly, that anyway. Diesel Shawn Michaels match was probably the <laughs> anyway. best thing about that. <laughs> Moving <laughs> on. Now, now, anyway, the next night, the night after WrestleMania 11, April 3rd, 1995, Monday Night Raw, Blaze earns the victory to win the women's title for the second time. However, the celebration is short-lived because immediately following her victory, uh, Bertha Faye makes her WWF <laughs> debut immediately following the match. You know, Alundra is just kind of on the turnbuckles, kind of celebrating. Um, and and Faye just kind of just kind of pummels Bob Blaze and, you know, shoves her face into the turnbuckle, quote-unquote breaks her nose, uh, and puts her out for several months. Although in reality... Uh, Alundra, or Miss Rosselli, whatever you want to call her, uh, was actually having plastic surgery on her nose and her breasts. Uh, so ah. she was actually out to do that instead. Uh, now, Bertha, her nose she was, was in her, she was in her street clothes for this attack, if I'm not mistaken, right? No, I don't think so. She, I mean, unless she wears leather pants and a leather shirt <laughs> on the street every day. I, I don't think so. Well, no, it was, she definitely wasn't in her wrestling outfit. That's for damn sure. Because okay. I remember when this happened, it felt like a fan jumped the barrier or something. Or at least the way they were selling it. It is wrestling-style gear, even if it's not her regular gear. That she is like, wearing. you know what I'm t- You've seen her normal wrestling gear in WWE, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> now, anyway, um, now WWF's original plan here, though, uh, was to have Nakano uh, feud with Faye while Blaze was off recovering from her surgeries. Uh, but Nakano, unfortunately, was caught in possession of cocaine and was fired by the company instead. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought that the lady with the crazy hair was high on that booger sugar? <laughs> oh, um, my. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that happened. <laughs> in any case, though, Blaze would make a return in August of that year, just a few months later, and would score off against Faye and put her title on the line because she still held, held the title. Uh, they didn't strip her of the title, even though she was going to be gone for months. Uh, and she put that title on the line at SummerSlam in 1995. Uh, now, unfortunately for her, the powerful Bertha Faye was just too much for her to handle, and she lost her title to the woman that put her out of action for months uh, before. So, too bad for her can, there, I think. Can we talk a little bit about Bertha Faye's uh, gimmick at the time? Absolutely. 
being the main squeeze of Harvey football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Harv, uh, questionable judgment at times, to say the least. The the funny thing was, like, uh, her gimmick completely changed from that night that she attacked uh, Alundra Blaze. He's like, for lack of a better term, she sort of became like AJ, where she would skip to the ring with Harvey Whippleman, and she was wearing these ghastly outfit. Like, oh, it's just these polka dot or stripe tutu type deals, you know, trying to look cute. And she's kind of a 300 pound woman, so it was a little weird. <laughs> and then you have Harvey, who. I'm pretty sure is lighter than AJ. So it was like this interesting pairing and people hated Harvey Whippleman for being Harvey Whippleman. Yeah. It was an interesting, I actually like, like the pairing it's just, <laughs> and her theme music, which had Harvey Whippleman singing. Okay. <laughs> it's, it is so what I love about professional wrestling. I'll just say that word. Mm. All right. So Bertha Faye wins the belt. No. Alundra Blaze was undeterred by all this uh, and would continue her feud with Faye and earned another title shot rematch on the October 23rd, 1995 edition of Monday Night Raw. Uh, now this time, Blaze would prove victorious. Interestingly, though, despite the high quality of the matches that Blaze was putting on and the popularity, the popularity that it earned her, Maselli was released from the, her contract in WWF in December of 1995 uh, as the company was in some financial trouble and Blaze was stripped of her championship. Now, interestingly, she was still in possession of the WWF Women's Championship, and when she returned to WCW, she went ahead and brought it with her for her debut on the December 18th, 1995 edition of WCW Monday Nitro. No, if, if we could mention just something really quick before we go to this. Okay. Like, I believe her last match was at Survivor Series. Yes. And she was absolutely annihilated by Aja Khan. Yeah. To a degree that I was in complete shock. It was like, imagine if Brock Lesnar versus Cena at SummerSlam was five seconds long. <laughs> Just yeah. Like, it was like a backhand punch, and I think that was it. And, <laughs> and, in, and instead of suplexing, su su suplexing them out of the main event, you suplex them out of the company. Indeed. So I... <laughs> I saw that. I thought. I thought. Oh wow! I guess she's getting the next title shot. But it never came. They ne <laughs> just just released all eight <laughs> yeah. wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, that um, was. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. Now I didn't know this, Joe. I didn't know that she like here. I thought she just jumped shipped or got out of her contract. But no, she was released. WWE was dumb enough to release her <laughs> while she had the belt. That that's amazing. Yeah, and um, you know, according to 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 her. Uh, you know, despite, you know, her them kind of releasing her at the height of pretty much at the height of her popularity with the company. Uh, like she still says, she said that the, the breakup was amicable. Like they saw, you know, they both like there wasn't any bad blood there. Um, but, you know, she shows up on Monday Nitro, December 18th, 1995. And of course, during the live broadcast, she kind of walks up to the announce team and she, when she shows up on camera, she not only renounces the Lunger Blaze name and returning and, you know, returns to the Medusa moniker. Uh, she, you know, goes ahead and holds up the, the women's title that she still has in her possession, holds up a trash can, and goes ahead and drops the belt straight into the receptacle. And, uh, yeah, you know, this is lar largely considered one of the first attacks uh, between WCW and WWF during the, the highly touted Monday Night War. 
and earned, you know, Maselli a firm, firm spot on WWF's blacklist for the better part of 20 years. Uh, you know, in fact, the move is so devastating that WWF didn't reinstate the Women's Championship for about another two or three years uh, in September 1998. Yeah, Vince can be kind of a child with some things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a major moment in the Monday Night Wars. It was like, well, I would dare say that was the moment where it became the Monday Night Wars, really. Like, this was war. They're like going to go tooth and nail at each other. Yeah. I mean, there are moments that people just remember, and Lundra Blaze showing up saying that name's freaking stupid. It sounds like it's from a creator wrestler, and I'm throwing this belt in the trash. That lives with you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I can't really blame Vince for saying, well, I guess this belt is worthless for several years at least now because our top women wrestler just said it's crap. So it's like, well, what do we do now? <laughs> Indeed. And, yeah, it was a powerful moment. And once again, this is just her beating down doors because it shows that, you know, a a female wrestler can make a major impact. So, yeah, yeah. it was tremendous. So, so what they do with her after this, though? Well, I mean, speaking about, you know, breaking down these doors, this particular door, this particularly brash door that she knocked down was not necessarily one that she wanted to knock down um, because uh, apparently WCW president Eric Bischoff made her do it uh, in, in an interview uh, that she did a little at some point, she said, it, quote, it was either that or I was out the door. Um, so, yeah, so she didn't really want to do that. She thought it was not a good idea. She, If it was up to her, she would not have done that. You know, she also says that the title trashing would have been received differently uh, had she been a man instead of a woman. And from the same interview, she said, quote, if I was a guy, I would have been on the cover of every magazine. Uh, because I was a woman, I was called a disgrace to the business. Uh, that's the truth. Mm. And I think it's kind of hard to argue her point on some level because, you know, in researching, you know, wrestlers for this show, uh, there's usually a wealth of books and DVDs that you can dive into uh, for e any of these wrestlers that we talk about. Um, and that just isn't the case uh, even for women who aren't blacklisted from a company for 20 years. Um, like, have you ever seen an AJ Lee DVD or an yeah. autobiography? Uh, no, and judging from the situation the <laughs> husband's in, probably not ever. <laughs> fact, um, but yeah, it's just... Yeah, scratching my head, I would say the only ones who ever received their own DVD are Trish and Lita. And this is back in the archaic days before they even threw on matches and what have you. Like, Trish and Lita are like the only exception, and Lita having her own book on top of that. Uh, but as for the other divas... If they had do anything for them, it's like a group DVD or something, or total diva garbage or something like that. Yeah, you know, and and meanwhile, you know, male wrestlers and celebrities uh, that have engaged in say questionable behavior, uh, you know, have been and continue to be celebrated by the company. Uh, whether it's a Stone Cold Steve Austin who was arrested for domestic issues with his former wife Deborah, uh, Mike Tyson being you know Mike Tyson, you know Jimmy Snuka maybe probably murdering his girlfriend 30 or 40 years ago. Uh, you know, these people are celebrated. They can get all their DVDs and whatnot. But, you know, some a woman throws a, a title in the trash and she gets nothing. So I can see where she's coming from, at least on that level. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, if you look back in the history of WWE, I, I would say only two people, only two divas have had DVD sets, and that's uh, Lita and Trish. And... Lita's was really just a documentary with no matches. 
I mean, since the glory days of those two, like no one has really gotten their foot in the door. Like, unfortunately it's everything that she's been making it out to be. And it's a male dominated sport. And women, even to this day are still fighting to get any kind of equal footing on the, on the show. Even though you got Medusa and everything she did for them right now, and you got women like Charlotte Bailey and Natty and on NXT showing that you know women can steal the show at a pay per view if yeah. you give them the chance, but <laughs> right. they still don't get chances. Yeah, because I mean, going back to I guess to AJ for a little bit here, the whole CM Punk side of things aside, uh, people were kind of surprised by her retirement because they're like, oh, she's so young. She's like what? She's definitely under 30. She's like, what, 26 or something? Yeah. And, you know, the, the flip side of that is that, you know, she's won the Divas title three times. She's wrestled at four WrestleManias. Um, as far as Divas go in the WWE currently, um, she's pretty much hit the ceiling. <laughs> um, there's not much more for a Diva to accomplish than what AJ Lee has accomplished. Yeah, and that's exactly, like, when she retired, you know, I didn't actually think it was anything to do with CM Punk and that whole lawsuit or anything. The first initial... Real, uh, reaction was, yeah, she pretty much did everything. I mean, <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you know, if you're a male wrestler, you you could, you know, you compete for any number of titles, including like, you know, you've got the 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 lower tier titles, you know, the U.S. the Intercontinental. Uh, there's the the tag team championships, of course. Uh, you know, which there's no equivalent to that uh, in the women's side, which makes no sense to me. And then there are the special matches like Money in the Bank, Royal Rumble that you could go and try and win. I mean, there's all these little goals you could do. Like with women, you, you have the Divas Championship. Uh, if you feel like selling yourself uh, Total Divas, and uh, if you're really, really lucky like AJ, you can play a prominent character. And yeah. That's pretty much it. Once you hit those three things, it's done. Yeah, pretty much. And... Yeah, and yeah, it's unfortunate because I mean, the way women are written in WWE currently, uh, even though it's been better than it's been in the past, it's it's still largely it's based on these women are jealous of each other, or we can't figure out what how to make these women the number one contender for the title, so we'll have a battle royal. <laughs> it's like, come on, <laughs> there's got to be more to it. There's, like, like you know, the male wrestlers are allowed to be characters. Like, there's so many different characters in in male wrestling, but. But the the women wrestlers are just are largely just either jealous or just bitter at each other for for this just because they're women. It's like uh, it's like it's tiresome. You, you know how hair pulling it is to see Paige, who is absolutely amazing in NXT, and g- get called up to the main roster, and she sort of had to you know adapt to her environment, and she became what she is now. She's on Total Divas, a complete goof, <laughs> <laughs> and. Sadly, she's already completed like two thirds of all there is to accomplish as a <laughs> Right, and she's what twenty two. Yeah, <laughs> like once she like gets into that eventual relationship with heel Sheamus, that'll be it. She's done everything. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, oh man. man, but yeah, it, it it's terrible. Like even after she did this stunt in WC st- this thing in D- WCW they th- I think they gave her like a few matches but I can't remember anything tremendous off the top of my head yeah there's not there's not a whole lot that is tremendous off the top of anybody said um because putting aside all those politics uh WCW I think was pretty ill equipped to bring uh 
her specifically in because, you know, while the WWF women's landscape was, you know, eh, you know, things weren't any better at WCW for sure. Yeah, it was sort of like, you, you remember the movie No Holds Barred? <laughs> yes. Like, uh, remember how Brel, which was the bad guy of the movie, his plan was just to sign uh, Rip or Hulk Hogan and that would win him everything? Yeah. It feels like that's what the they were what Vince and Bischoff did here. They thought if I get Alundra Blaze, I'll have the women's division and I'll rule the world. But <laughs> then you realize yeah. you have to have people for Blaze to fight. <laughs> yeah, you can't wrestle yourself. It has to be an opponent with the person in the ring. Yeah, it's not like we're gonna tune in to watch uh, Medusa bounce off the ropes for thirty minutes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it makes no sense. But you know, in any case, though. Uh, WCW, what they did, uh, they pretty much pulled the WWF, and they set, went ahead and brought in Bulnikan with a few with Medusa, hey. uh, just, as, just as WWF had done before. And this particular feud between the two culminated in the match at Hog Wild uh, in August 1996, which took place, interestingly enough, at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in Sturgis, South Dakota. Cocaine on a pole. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. That was not the stipulation at all. No. The stipulation no. this time here, Malcolm. Uh, there was a stipulation, though. Oh, yeah. The the winner got to destroy the other's bike, if I recall. <laughs> yes. And, uh, uh, you know, Medusa did win the match at, and a weird pin where they where both of them had their shoulders on the mat for the pinfall. But, like, Medusa had one shoulder half up or something, so she was declared the victor. So she got to destroy Bullocano's sweet, sweet Honda Goldwing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> with the sledgehammer in those. Which, was... uh, just to point out, this is Sturgis. This is the American biker rally. So yeah. the the bikers really did, number one, the bikers really did enjoy uh, Medusa, destro- the sight of Medusa destroying the Japanese motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Bulldogano really did sell it like a champ. Like, oh no, my motorcycle that I didn't, that's probably not even mine. But it's... <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh yeah, but yeah, Bulacano and Medusa. I swear, like fifty percent of her matches are 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 together with Bulacano. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now another strike against WCW's women's division, though, is that unlike the WWF, uh, WCW never had a women's wrestling championship before standing Medusa. So mm-hmm. yeah, like they recognize like different NWA cha- women's champions from from different territories as you know those territories fluctuated. Like this one. Is now dead, so we have to find another women's champion. Uh, they just never had their own proper champion at WCW. So they went ahead and finally established the WCW uh, Women's Championship at the end of 1996. Um, and again, like WWF in 1993, the first champion would be crowned in a tournament that started on <laughs> on the November 4th, uh, 1996 edition of Money Nitro. You know that Sting's talking to her holding while holding the U.S. title. You're like, yeah, tournaments are the best, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> the best, Jerry, the best. <laughs> now, uh, aside from Medusa, interesting note here is that all the competitors were Japanese, uh, <laughs> and and five of the seven of them were from a different from a Japanese promotion called Gaia uh, Japan. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, it was <laughs> okay. So seven different wrestlers. <laughs> had eight different seeds here. Like, one wrestler pulled double duty and played both two different gimmicks uh, in the same tournament. So that was interesting. Uh, you know, the, the person that played that did double duty was uh, Akira Hokuto. Hoku, Hokuto. Uh, Hokuto. There you go. Akira Hokuto. Hokuto. God damn. <laughs> I can't say this name. Uh, but she's the one who did double duty. 
Uh, like she, her other gimmick, I forgot what her other gimmick was, but that first gimmick, uh, lost to Medusa in the first round. Uh, but her other gimmick, Akira Hokuto, Hokuto or? made it to the final, uh, against Medusa over, and you know, that final took place at Starcade in 1996. Unfortunately for Medusa, uh, Akira would win that match, so. Really? Yeah, Medusa did not capture the WCW, uh, women's championship ever, actually. Strangely enough, even though she was brought in as as the as the as the premier women's talent at, at that promotion, she never actually got that title. And uh, you know, after falling to to Hokuto, you know, she went on to wrestle at Spring Stampede uh, the next oh not the next month in uh, April 1997. Uh, they had a rematch uh, for the women's title, but she would again lose uh, that match as well. So, oh for two, that's super great. Mm. And uh, at Slamboree the following month. Uh, she also defeated Luna Vachon, uh, bringing back another old rival uh, into the fold. So, we're seeing a lot of different uh, repeat uh, performances. Not performances, per se, but, you know, just a lot of repeat feuds because uh, I guess WCW and WWF were like, couldn't quite figure out exactly what to do with women's wrestling, unfortunately, at the time. So, they're like, uh, Sadly, they done. still don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, one can't know what to do because one of them is dead. Oh. Uh, but WWE uh, hopefully can hopefully figure it out sometime soon. I'm really hoping that NXT is like a sign of things to come. I got to hope so because Sasha Banks is probably my favorite wrestler in the entire WWE right now. She's amazing. But that's neither here nor there. Now, at the following month, at the Great American Bash in June 1997, Medusa and Akira Hokuto would once again have a, a, a match for the title. But this was no regular title match. This was a title versus career match. Uh, where if, if Medusa lost, uh, she would have to retire, and she lost for the third time, <laughs> and oh. would leave WCW for over two years. Two years she was gone for WCW. Yep, definitely worth throwing that title in the trash, my God. <laughs> yeah, so so that's what's happening with her over in WCW. And when she did finally return in April of 1999, uh, just under two years later, uh, it was as part of Team Madness with the Macho Man, Randy Savage, mm. Gorgeous George, and Miss Madness. Uh, it's something that we touched a little bit in the Macho Man episode a few weeks ago. Now, interestingly, in the time that she was gone, uh, the WCW Women's Championship was vacated uh, when Hokuto returned to Japan, where it was then won by Devil Masami in Japan. And then from there, it was subsequently abandoned and never seen again. Uh, so... All of that happened. They just hired gone. Medusa just to throw the thing, the title in the trash. <laughs> yeah, and then they created and threw another title in the trash on their own accord. <laughs> uh, so very, it's just very WCW, man. Just I mean, I like the more we look into different aspects of WCW's business, it just none of it ever makes sense. The more you look at it. Uh, beyond the glance. It's pretty amazing to look back in our own in hindsight. Like it started with the Hulk Hogan episode, like. Like, the storylines and how quickly, like, different wrestlers go from one thing to another, and the follow-through especially. Like, Medusa, it, this is a great example. Like, literally, she was only purchased to throw the belt in the trash, and they had no idea what to do with her after that. Yeah. doesn't matter that you have one of the best female wrestlers in wrestling today. All, all he wanted to do was throw that belt in the trash. <laughs> I would argue that, like, she was one of the top wrestlers in WWF, period. I mean, the, like, she was she was there at that company, you know, during the whole new generation. Uh, and, you know, aside from, you know, your Bret Hart's and your Shawn Michaels, there wasn't a whole lot of spectacular 
talent there to really hold up, hold up the, that end of the bargain of, of an exciting new generation of wrestlers. But Medusa, uh, or Alondra Blaze, rather, was, you know, she was a highlight. She was like, yeah, she was actually really great. They just had nothing. They, we don't know what to do, so uh, we're releasing you and whatever. It's mm. like, okay. <laughs> okay. So talking a little bit about, uh, you know, Team Madness, as they were called, I, I actually really enjoyed them. Yeah. Uh, if I recall, were you a fan, or did you were you not like a huge fan of this uh, grouping? The grouping is cool. The only thing I said before, the only problem I had was with my, was with the aesthetics of Macho Man at the time, which I, <laughs> which which I called uh, Biker Dad, basically. <laughs> Biker uh, Dad. <laughs> Uh, I I enjoyed the idea. Like this was another one of Macho Man making himself like he. A lot of his career was doing little tricks to make himself look bigger than he actually was. Mm-hmm. Not that he was a small man in any particular fashion, but you know this is something that made him look cool. Having these three women, each so different. You had had Miss Madness or AKA Molly Holly, who was like dressed like a prom queen, but was doing <laughs> all these aerial maneuvers like missile drop kicks and like. <laughs> cartwheel splashes and stuff on people and he had uh freaking gorgeous george who you know i guess like the pretty girl of the group but that would do that was just there to look hot really and then you had medusa like the den mother who was like f- would freaking wreck you if you got anywhere near her and, she, <laughs> it, it, and of course led by the macho man the most craziest guy in wrestling it was like a fun little tr- fun little group they had there and the shame it didn't last longer, but I really, I really dug it for the time we had it. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, with the WCW Women's Division in disarray, let's say, um, Medusa found herself competing largely in like mixed tag matches, say, with the Macho Man, and then eventually in singles competition, just against men, because it's like, well, there's nothing else, there's no one else for her to wrestle except for men, so we're gonna have to see what we can do here. Yeah, to say it was sometimes being the first is also the most troublesome. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes being first is because it's like we you're first because we don't know how to do this the correct way or the or the other or the or the way it probably should be. I don't know. Not to say that you know women should wrestle men because I don't know if you've watched Lucha Underground, but that's some good stuff. And there's plenty of intergender stuff that I love there. I've seen so Unfortunately, I only get it in Spanish the whole way. But... <laughs> uh, me too, because I don't get El Rey, but I do have uh, Unimas, which is where it <laughs> broadcasts uh, on regular over-the-air channels. But yeah, the stuff they do is like incredible, just to like talk about it, because uh, Guillermo del Toro, I believe, shoots actually does shoot the uh, episodes. Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez, sorry, Robert Guillermo del Toro. Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> oh, imagine that fed, my God. But actually shoots it, and it's, like, very dramatic. Like, there's this scene in, like, the very first episode where Conan is talking to, like, the their, their Vince McMahon character. And it's, like, this dark Erica room, and there's this, like, these very eerie music playing in the background as they're making some sort of deal, which I don't understand because it's all in Spanish. <laughs> and uh, the entire time I'm watching this, I'm like, is this guy going to shoot Conan? <laughs> like, like, the entire, it was so dramatic. I was expecting him to like reach in his pocket, pull out a handgun and shoot Conan <laughs> and point back range. It doesn't happen, of course, but just, you know, it's so different. It's, I would actually put, Lucha Underground right up there with NXT as far as amazing, amazing uh, wrestling that you can watch yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a highlight of my week. 
but you know my point there is that you know they do a lot of intergender stuff uh which is really cool like you'll have sexy star and, and Ivelisse uh and all of them just you know mixing it up with some of the top talent that they have in that company and it works yeah it works because they're freaking capable wrestlers so of course um yeah, mm-hmm. so, you know, to an extent, it makes sense that uh, they would do that with Medusa. Like, okay, we don't have any wisdom for you to wrestle, so our really only alternative here is to have you wrestle some of the men here uh, in the company. But it was just really awkwardly handled, I think. You know, they started her off by entering her in a tournament for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship uh, in October 1999, which is actually a pretty cool idea, I guess. Yeah, yeah. She took on Ming, didn't she? Yeah, she lost that first round match oh. against Ming, uh, but... For reasons known only to WCW, she was then slotted into a different spot on the bracket after losing, uh, and she defeated Evan Courageous, who she thanked at the uh, at the uh, Hall of Fame uh, speech that she gave too for being the only one with enough balls to, t- to get pinned for her. Yeah, um, because uh, you know he she beat him not only here but in a later match we'll get into it in very quickly. But but you know besides. Uh, Evan Courageous, she would then lose to Chris Benoit in the next round. Ooh. <laughs> uh, she did not advance very far. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Chris Benoit, there you go. Uh, anyway, Medusa and uh, Evan Courageous uh, would go back and forth for the next couple of months. Uh, you know, she would kind of manage him for a little while, and then they ended up fighting anyway. And she would eventually challenge him for his WCW, uh, WCW Cruiserweight Championship uh, at Starcade in 1999. Uh, and she would actually go on to defeat him there. Uh, becoming the first woman to hold the Cruiserweight Championship. And they actually, if you look at the story of the match, they actually painted it like uh, she outsmarted him, too. Like, uh, there was actually, if she got the title match by first not only managing him, but, you know, being his girlfriend, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And eventually, at some point, Evan Courageous starts cheating on her with uh, Nitro Girl Spice. Yep. And who even came out to the ring with him. But then during the course of the match, Spice turns on Evan Courageous and allows uh, uh, Medusa to pin her, (laughs) pin him, and lead to the match. So, like, the announcer's like, how many steps ahead did Medusa plan this whole thing out? I thought it was actually really cool. It made her look really smart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, a rare high point for her her second stint uh, over at WCW. Yeah, so she becomes the first woman to hold a Cruiserweight Championship. uh, And with that title in tow, she would enter a feud with Oklahoma, uh, and that uh, and Oklahoma being you know the WCW parody of Jim Ross, not the state of Oklahoma. Uh, just for the sake of you know clarifying that, I think I would have preferred it if he was an analogy <laughs> for the whole state of Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, she just oh man, the Sooners just don't like Medusa for some reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, like the storyline, I guess, was that she was trying to actually bring back the women's title. But Oklahoma, being the chauvinist pig that he was, would com- would repeatedly stunt her efforts to do so. Do you remember this period, Malcolm? Sadly, I mean, <laughs> like, I remember Oklahoma would announce his own matches during the match. Like he'd wear a headset in the ring. Yeah, he like Oklahoma. He would just, Oklahoma ba- going bouncing off the rope, feeling the fire, tagging in Doctor Nancy Williams. It wasn't good. It was Ed Ferrara. As yeah. the character, and it was one of those "what the fuck is this" moments of WCW where they're just mocking something on WWE, which doesn't make you look like the number one company. When you're... yeah, like at this point, it was basically we, we we no longer know why or how we were number one in the first place, and we're very desperately trying to get back to that spot. Uh, 
Which, of course, they would not. No. So, enters a few... So, and here's another thing. This, this was actually something I could imagine the crowd getting behind. You know, she wants to bring back women's wrestling. Which I do remember actually got some cheers when she started bringing it back. But h- how does the feud go? Um, well, first, of course, the natural progression is for them to have an evening gun match in an episode of Thunder in January 2000, uh, in which Medusa unfortunately wins <laughs> by stripping Ferrara or Oklahoma down to a skivvies. And uh, the bitter Oklahoma would attack her after the match anyway, so... Uh, very, I mean, yeah, that's WCW booking for you, I guess. So, uh, did the women's division come back? Of course not, Malcolm. Uh, of course not. <laughs> um, all told, I think the women's title uh, in WCW, the, the proper WCW Women's Wrestling Championship, or whatever you want to call it, uh, lasted about one year uh, in existence. So, Oh, wow. Bully for them over there. <laughs> Good work, WCW. Good job. Now, a few days after uh, that... Uh, Ill-conceived <laughs> evening gown match. Uh, Medusa and Oklahoma would have a proper match that sold out just a few days later. This time for Medusa's cruiserweight title, and this time won by Oklahoma. Because of course, yeah, yeah. Sure. When you think cruiserweight, uh, <laughs> you think Jim Ross parody. If if that's not insulting enough, that you know, women have to deal with the stigma that you know the men's wrestlers are better. You have Medusa, one of the most legendary female wrestlers of all time, jobbing to a writer. <laughs> I, and I don't care how it came about. That's fucking bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, any idea what happened with Oklahoma and the Cruiserweight belt? Did Medusa ever get it back? Or No, she did not. Uh, because uh, she would actually only have a few more matches in WCW following this. Uh, most notably participating in a battle royale on the May 3rd, 2000 episode of Thunder to determine the number one contender for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. So at this point, her career is kind of winding down in WCW. Uh, but, you know, during this time, uh, she was still also an instructor over at the power plant, the WCW power plant, uh, which, of course, is the com- or was the company's uh, kind of like training program slash training facility uh, where they kind of grew some of the in-house talent there, like Goldberg went through there. I forget who else. Yeah, DDP would train there. It was also famous for being, uh, like, the guy in charge of the place was this dude named Sarge who got off, uh, from what I understand from various documentaries, got off on watching people's dreams die. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, he was famous for uh, one of the... Uh, such guys such as uh, Chael Sonnen went to the power plant and, you know, was never offered a chance in WCW. Uh, <laughs> Chael Sonnen, famous uh, UFC fighter, by the way. Uh, also, Dave Batista, you may have heard of him, Drax <laughs> went for a tryout out, uh, over there at the power plant. And he. It, this is in the Batista freaking uh, DVD set where Sarge goes up and tells him, you're never going to amount to anything in this business. Just <laughs> man. Yeah. Fucking toolbox, Sarge. Yeah. <laughs> not much Not much of a prognosticator, Mr. Sarge. There. Nope. Uh, sh- <laughs> Batista went on to have a pretty good career. Spoiler. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So- that was oh, cool. Man. I didn't know that she worked at the power plant, too. So Yeah, you know, as an instructor at that, you know, there she kind of helped, uh, you know, of course, train other women, such as Miss Nora Greenwald, a.k.a. Molly Holly. Oh. 
So yeah, she she definitely did. You know, there's also a point too where uh, where I think they were trying to like desperately trying to revive the women's division, I guess, uh, where they kind of started training some of the some of the Nitro girls as well as wrestlers. Uh. Now, I would assume that she had at least some hand in trying to to make that work, even though of course uh, you can only polish a turd so much, right? Oh, that dark period where they started incorporating the Nitro Girls into storylines. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, with WCW in dire, dire straits, uh, the company, of course, would eventually shut down following uh, the acquisition by WWF in 2001. Uh, now, between her being blacklisted by the WWF uh, and her general displeasure with WWF's direction with its female talent, anyway, uh, Medusa just went ahead and chose to hang up her boots instead. Oh. And although she left the squared circle, uh, her days as a world champion, Malcolm, weren't over just yet, because soon after retiring from wrestling, uh, she would actually try her hand at competing in the world of monster trucks. I heard about this in the... I was... Like, this line alone made her, like, the coolest wrestler ever for my wife. <laughs> in her acceptance speech. It's like, oh, she is so badass. <laughs> like, I always had, like, a base respect uh, for, you know, Medusa. And, like, of, like about six months ago, I, like, just looking into her, like, I, I was like, oh, oh, she's a monster truck driver? And then, you know, then the speech uh, that she gave during her induction, uh, like, overall, I was like, wow, you are a hero. You are my hero now. <laughs> You're an amazing person. How does anybody accomplish these amazing things? Like, what, what monster truck does she drive? Medusa, Malcolm. Oh, is that the name? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's called Medusa. She owns that name. Uh, that's her trademark. So she goes out and, and drives a pink monster truck called Medusa. Um, and, you know, just as she had with wrestling, she made her mark uh, in an arena largely dominated by men. You know, by 2004, I, you know, she, she started training for monster trucks in 1999, pretty much right after, or... Or 2001, uh, right after you know she quit wrestling, and um, she was actually trained by Dennis Anderson, who you, you might know better as the driver of the legendary Gravedigger truck. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. So you know, by 2004, she and her truck Medusa were co-champions at the Monster Jam World Finals. Holy shit! By 2005, she beat her trainer Dennis Anderson in the Monster Jam World Finals Racing Championship. The first woman ever to do so. Uh, she was also the only female competitor at the 2005 Super Bowl of Motorsports. And in 2008, she was named executive vice president of the Major League of Monster Trucks. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> the most amazing resume I've ever read. Fuck you, Vince. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so, yeah, she she's had plenty of success following her uh, wrestling career. Uh, I would say. Definitely, and... <laughs> Granted, she didn't really get to do too much uh, wrestling when she she did wrestle when she could, but a lot of it was you know like hey, I'm sort of the only strong woman here. But she inspired <laughs> a lot of people, just the same. Like a lot of women today, I would dare say, looked at a Medusa match and said, "Wow, maybe I could do this." And I, I guarantee, like we were just we discussed it in the beginning of the show. Charlotte is sort of a modern day Medusa. Yeah. Sasha Banks, I see Medusa in, and uh, quite a few NXT people in there too. So, yeah, I, I think she a lot. She's definitely one of those like we were t discussing how the Macho Man and uh, Ricky Steamboat match inspired so many wrestlers just for it existing. So I can only 
Medusa, she she's inspiring people even today. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and you know, she was inducted into the, the WWE Hall of Fame, you know, as Lundra Blaze with the class of 2015. Uh, equally Equal parts shocking and deserving, I would say, uh, in terms of her induction there. Uh, you know, finally putting past transgressions to bed, I guess. Uh, and her acceptance speech, you know, it was, you know, as we've already said, it was pretty much the best one of the night. Uh, and, you know, the highlight for me was uh, at the end of it where, where the person who inducted her, which was Natalia, you know, she wheels out a trash can uh, from which she starts pulling stuff out of. You know, first she pulls out, like, a pair of bra and panties, uh, and she's like, whoever came up with the Braun Petty's match is a real dumbass or whatever. And yeah. basically basically tears down that match. And that was awesome. And then, you know, and after a couple of other things, she pulls out the WWF Women's Championship that she still has because she's just always had it <laughs> for the last 20 plus years or whatever. You know, saying that she's finally bringing the title back home where it belongs. Like, that was such a cool moment, you know, to finally make that bring that back full circle because... Uh, you know, she's she's also like looking at it. She's like, yeah, like oh, like here's a proper women's wrestling belt, and I was like, holy shit, that's cool. <laughs> and uh, technically speaking, Alundra Blaze is your current reigning WWE Women's Champion. So Longest reigning, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Longest reigning of all time. Uh, AJ Lee, uh, not quite there with that with that Divas Championship, everybody. <laughs> uh, just missed it. I definitely agree with you. The acceptance speech, like. It was just amazing the way it was constructed, especially since I think Larry Zabisco's came just before her, so I think yeah. that helped it make look even better. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was incredible. Just like every story she told, like I did, that's where I found out about the whole Monster Jam thing. I was like, "Are you fucking serious? That's amazing!" Uh, and on top of that, at uh, just like you said, the ending where she takes out the title belt, like. And it was great because you could tell she had like other props to bring out, and the crowd's like, "Bring out the belt!" And she's like, "Frickin' a, dude, wait for the wait for it." <laughs> you know, like that's clearly what she's building to. Just let her do what she's doing. Yeah, and she brings it out and says, "All right, the belt's home, guys. You can relax." And uh, she struts on out. And uh, I thought that is beautiful. That is the best way to end her career, right there. Yeah, and- like it hit so many great like emotional notes. Like she was. You know, she was cocky because, you know, she knows she was great, so she could be cocky, but she could also be, you know, she was also really sweet uh, in terms of, you know, being really grateful to the women that she not she was not only inspired by because, of course, she wasn't the first female wrestler. You know, she was inspired by, you know, the Fabulous Moolah, uh, people like that. Um, and uh, the, the the people she gave thanks to, I thought was very classy. Too. Like, yeah, her they, peers. They were- there was like a legit moment with her and Paul just looking at each other. Yeah, she's like, "I was the first Paul Heyman girl." I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you were." Uh, and and I still think it was really cool. She thanked Devin Courageous for being the only guy who was willing to job to her. And, and yeah. trust me, that was a problem for I. I guarantee you, like, if it, any any writer went up to saying you're jobbing to Medusa, they they vetoed that immediately over at WCW. Right, but. Yeah, and it's so amazing career, amazing woman. And once again, go check out that speech. It's really great. It's on the network. Absolutely. And uh, it, now before we get to matches, is there anything else you need wanted to add on her? Or? Uh, no, that's that's about it. Like, I mean, just, I mean, I guess touching on her speech again, I mean, it, it's like a, it's just a really great encapsulation of what her career and her life has been because, I mean, it's not just like her life was wrestling, but it's, it wasn't the only thing in her life. Like, she was driven by a lot of different things, and it's, like, it's clearly reflective of, like, she's lived such a full life, and she's very grateful for it. And she, like, it, it really comes through in her speech, and I thought it was great. 
like she was even like like her like her current husband I think is was uh was like de- like is currently deployed at, at God knows where uh and he was able to get like a special exemption to to even attend the induction speech and she was clearly very happy for that because apparently you know that's not something that's very easy to pull off uh, no matter who you are uh, mm. or who you're married to so you know yeah that was nice it showed that you know wrestlers are human too <laughs> it's like yeah it's not nice oh this is sweet great great stuff all right so do you have any uh, medusa matches to recommend um well like i t- <laughs> like when we were talking about um that part where where she said that you know women are simply just treated differently than men are uh and that includes resources in terms of researching and watching women wrestling so unfortunately there's a lot a large number there are things on the network so we'll touch on those first uh so you know things like her match at SummerSlam in 1994 against Bull Nakano. Mm-hmm. Terrific match. Like a really brutally, like just a really brutal but really gutsy performance by both wrestlers. Uh, and, you know, get, being able to, you know, it's always fun just watching Bull Nakano as well because, you know, she does the Scorpion cross lock or death lock, whatever you call it, that you see Paige do now. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> that's a really cool thing that Paige does now. But seeing that match at SummerSlam, that's pretty much, like, I, I guess in terms of WWE, I, that's kind of like, like you said, it's the, it's the Ricky Steamboat uh, Macho Man match at WrestleMania 3, uh, but the women's wrestling version, because it's a really terrific match featuring two really, at their top of their game, really excellent performers. And it's a, it's, it's, it really is an underrated match in, in, in the scope of SummerSlam history, I think. Hmm. And, you know, you could probably watch any Bonacano match as well uh, featuring a Lundra Blaze. Like the match, the second match that they have, uh, on that Monday Night Raw, right before she's, uh, <laughs> right before uh, Faye comes in to, to Molly Whopper, basically. Uh, the match itself, preceding that moment uh, where she gets her nose broken, quote unquote, uh, is a really good match. Like, it's a- like looking at it on the network, it's actually the longest match on that episode of Raw. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, by like a couple of minutes, and it's really good. Um, like, she, like, <laughs> like a blaze. You know, German suplexes the hell out of out of uh, Bolinkano in that match like four or five times, including one time outside of the ring. Uh, so, like, they're like their matches together are just really, really, really brutal. Like, really brutal, but really, really just great. <laughs> like, just really great. You know, going back to her time in Japan, that stuff is much harder to find because, I mean, where do you really find all Japan women's pro wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, except on YouTube. So, I mean, if you just go ahead and Google. Her name plus, you know, Medusa plus uh, pretty much any number of wrestlers that she wrestled there was, whether it was Aja Kong uh, or Shigusa Nagayo. No, when she when she won the, the IWA World Women's Championship. Yeah, Shigusa, Shigusa Nagayo. Like, whenever she wrestled her, uh, Aja Kong. Uh, yeah, if you want to look at, at, at the, the matches that she did with, uh, with the woman whose name I had trouble pronouncing terribly. Uh, <laughs> You know that that's that's worth well as well. So I mean, do you have any matches off the top of your head, Malcolm? Well, the match uh, she had with Oklahoma. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real, <laughs> that's a real slobber knocker. <laughs> You're gonna feel great about women after that. Uh, which Halloween Havoc was it that she had that confrontation with Paul Heyman? Uh, I believe Paul that was <laughs> uh, that was 1996, I believe. Yeah, I would recommend going checking that out. I mean, no, 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 not... no, 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 1993. I'm sorry. 93. Yeah, it's not often that we recommend... Wait, 1992. Sorry. <laughs> 1992. Okay. It's not often that we recommend a non-match, but I, I thought that moment was great. You know, just how both people were selling it for that one, and uh, it led up to the eventual match, which you said was, like, Clash of the Champions, or...? 
Yeah, 21. So, yeah, yeah Clash of Champions 21. And like I said, it's a time limit draw, and, and the time limit is five minutes. So the, the whole thing, the whole ordeal takes like six minutes between the entrances uh, and him cowering away. Yeah, and like any of her stuff, like for the for uh, the Dangerous Alliance is really good too, where she's in the corner and she's usually assisting the wrestlers. Like, there is a correct way to be a valet. Like, uh, a lot of people think, oh, you just stand there. No, no, you, you can be a central part of the match. Yeah. And... Uh, she was fantastic in that role. So I would, especially if you're an up and coming wrestler, I would even say, look at that. <laughs> that if you're going to be, if you're going to be in that position. Yeah. Plus it's an excuse to watch Rick Rude matches. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you never have too many excuses to watch a Rick Rude match. But yeah, off the top of my head, that's uh, all I can think of. Yeah. Like if you want to watch that match that you mentioned against Courageous, uh, where she won the Cruiserweight title, you said that there was some pretty great storytelling in there. Yeah, uh, pretty yeah, great like, ring psychology. Yeah, like uh, if you, especially if you're familiar with everything that was happening up until that point, which they, admittedly the announcers do a pretty good job of catching you up on the story for this being your first, if you're just joining us. And when you put the pieces together and what happened, I thought it made uh, the character of Medusa look really smart and strategic. It's only a shame WCW couldn't follow through once again and <laughs> continue making a character out of that. Because, you know, when a you know when a woman goes up with a man, and this is not taken away from Medusa, but you know, genetically speaking, you know they're at a disadvantage uh, when it comes to like you know size and muscle and power. And I think you could have made a really cool character where Medusa would outsmart the guys and use her intelligence to defeat every guy she go went up against. But <sighs> sadly, you know, WCW <laughs> just like let's just have Ming kill her. That'll be great. <laughs> Why do we hire you again? <laughs> oh, yeah, you threw the belt in the trash. Okay. <laughs> I, I guess uh, unless there's anything else to discuss, I guess that's it. Yeah, I mean, just basically just look up matches against, you know, uh, Bull Nakano, Luna Vashan, Aja Kong. Where is this woman's name? Akira Okuto. Uh, that's her name. Stuff like that. Her stuff as a valet was Team Madness or with uh, the Dangerous Alliance. All great stuff on top of all the other stuff that I already mentioned. So go look that up, please. It's it's all great stuff. Mm. Now, I guess that brings us, Malcolm, to the end of the shows, which brings us to the plug section of the show. Uh, so, of course, if you want to follow Slam University on the internet, uh, first and foremost, you can go to slamuni.com. That's where the podcast lives. Uh, that's where we'll post all the information, uh, the streams, the download links. Uh, you can comment on the show there as well. Uh, give us your feedback. It'd be wonderful. Uh, if you'd rather leave your feedback on, say, iTunes, you can do that as well. You know, download us to your iDevice. Uh, and if you can rate and review us, that would give us a nice little boost in visibility. Maybe sometime have uh, Apple feature us or something. That'd be cool. Uh, that'd be nice. <laughs> but if you're not in an Apple device, if you, if you won't, or if you just uh, are allergic to iTunes, you can also stream us on Stitcher Radio. You can stream us on Pocket Cast, wherever fine podcasts are downloaded and streamed. You can find us pretty much there. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do this so at Slam University, or at, yeah, at Slam University. If you want to follow Malcolm, you can follow him at PSML. You can follow me at Wands23. Now, is there anything here that I forgot to mention, Malcolm? Did you mention the WordPress account? Uh, yes, SlamUni.com. All right, I guess we're good. All right, that said, friends, thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you guys next time. See ya.